right, I'm currently on the phone with Nick Stevens. He's another musician that reached out about the current interview series. So I'm going to go ahead and give him the chance to introduce himself. Hey, everyone. This is Nick from the Whiskey Dogs. We're a uh, Denver-based covers and original band located in beautiful Denver, Colorado. And thanks so much for having me on. Awesome. Absolutely. Um, so give me some detail about, you know, when you first uh, came in contact with music. What about it kind of, you know, pierced through you, made you want to like pursue a life with it kind of thing? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think like a lot of people who are in music or, or arts in general uh, started when I was really little. Um, my dad played a piano and we always had a, a classical piano in the house and he played a lot of jazz music. And I always remember him just sitting there and just playing he never had music in front of him he would just like just start playing stuff and he was really creative about it um and we lived in the new york in new york city area and he was always taking me to like jazz clubs and the new york philharmonic um the the opera which at the time i thought as a kid and i'm talking like five six seven eight years old was just boring as hell right mm -hmm. but later now i really appreciate those things um <clears throat> so you know that was like my early that music was always there I played trumpet as a really young kid. Uh, and then later, you know, I think one of the first concerts I went to was the Elman Brothers back in the late 1970s. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just just seeing this live music and the musicianship of that. Um, and I remember like my older stepbrother had the Kiss Alive album of all things. And again, someone being like 12 years old or so and seeing that that cover is like, who are these people? You know, and it was such a, such an image type thing. And the early music was was really good hard rock. You know, it changed over time, but I love that early music. Um, and then, not much after that, you know, I and it's one of these pivotal moments you have. I remember being at a friend's house. You know, we're just sitting in his room, uh, kind of lying on his carpet, and he hands me his headphones. He's like, "Oh, you got to listen to this." And I put it on, and it was Pink Floyd, "Dark Side of the Moon." And it was just like, wow, this is like, this is, you know, music on a different level here. You know, just how it just reaches like into your soul, you know, the lyrics, the music, the whole thing. Um, so that was kind of like my earliest influences. When I go back, think of like pivotal times in my life when like this music really hit me hard. Sure. So um, you mentioned about, of you know, interacting with kind of the music around you. How did you kind of determine, you know, the steps that you were going to take to actually begin participating in it? So um, I played, like I said, early on, I played trumpet and I started playing guitar um, and I was never really that great at guitar. And it's and, and I play bass today. So it's one of those stories like. Um, and in high school, uh, a bunch of people were together and, you know, they're like, we have this band and we need someone to play bass. Um, and I'm like, I'll do it. And I didn't know how to play bass at all. Mm -hmm. uh, and they handed me, I think it was like a, you know, a Hofner Beatle bass knockoff type, uh, you know, four string bass. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, I had no idea what I was doing. And so the guitarist, he's like, you know, just follow my, my, my big finger here, whatever fret that's on, that's the note you, you play <laughs> and try to play in time. Okay. Uh, okay. You know, like I can do that sort of. And we played one one gig in front of our high school, and uh, we all we played were Hendrix covers, and we called ourselves the Voodoo Children. Um, and I just remember that feeling, you know, going on stage, and all these people are there, and it was just exhilarating, you know, being up playing live music. I mean, we were terrible, absolutely terrible, but it was just it was so much fun being up there in that moment and being in front of people you know, making some sort of music. Um, 
so that that's what really got me started you know that experience Okay. And so did you kind of, it's, it kind of sounds like you were just kind of thrown into it and then you kind of flew (laughs) with it from there. Um, what were kind of your experiences after that? Did you look for, you know, other musicians to play with, or do you still play with that band? Um, what was kind of the pathway after that? Well, you know, that that's, so my, I don't know, my story is not unique at all, but, uh, you know, a long pause, you know, life, life happens, uh, you know, school happens, job happens, I didn't play much at all, really. You know, I dabbled in guitar. I totally dropped the bass for for years. Um, so, and I didn't start playing the bass again until my you know early uh, late forties. Um, so long pause between there. Um, and so what what's happened? And it's kind of it's you know a couple of different things happened. You know, when I was a kid, it was it was. Uh, there was always, you know, at least in that time, late seventies, early eighties, you know, there was like you know, this concept of the, the guitar God, you know, these larger than life bands out there, like, you know, Jimi Hendrix and Led Zeppelin, Jimmy Page, ACDC. Um, and so it's like, for whatever reason, it was very intimidating because to me, it's like, well, these people are gods. I can never play like them, you know? So what didn't come across then to me is like, yeah, there's, there's people out there that, are just inherently have some like brilliant musical ability, but also you don't see behind it, like the incredible hard work that goes into it. You know, the hours, the hundreds mm-hmm. of thousands of tens of thousands of hours that go to get them to that place. Um, so I just didn't play much. Uh, Cause that was one reason. And just like I said, life happens, school happened, jobs happen. You know, you get married, you have kids. Um, it wasn't until um, I have a, I have a daughter who's now a, a teenager, but she plays the harp, uh, concert grand harp. I have no idea how she picked this. She was like, you know, she saw a YouTube video once and she's like, I want to play this. And we've always in my house, my wife plays piano. Um, and she's, she's really brilliant at it. Uh, so she started playing harp. And when she was eight years old, she had a, you know, it was like a school of rock thing, uh, at a theater called the Bluebird Theater in Denver. Uh, but she was the only harpist. So all these, you know, rock bands are up there. Middle of the show, my ear daughter, you know, wheels her harp out there and plays for five minutes. Um, and then wheels back, more hard rock bands take over. But it was like so inspiring. It was like, wow, she just, she did this. She did this thing. And I've seen her work so hard at it. It was like, you know, I can, I need to go back to that time for me. It's like, because I want to do this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and the other thing is, I heard this band called Krongbin, which you might have heard of. Um, they're they're kind of indescribable. They're kind of like a funk. I don't know. Like they're hard to find. But they have this bass player. Her name is Laura Lee. And when I first heard the, her bass lines, it was like, oh, that's what bass should sound like. It was just very melodic and so central to the song. They're just a three-piece instrumental band. Mm-hmm. And her playing, it was just it was just so inspiring. Um, you know, I've always been inspired by, you know, like John Paul Jones or like Getty Lee or Geezer Butler, Les Claypool, things like that. But hearing this bass, the way she presented it uh, was so, so great. I was like, OK, I, I need to get back to start playing bass again. So I made a, a commitment that, OK, I'm going to really, you know, I'm going to really, really work hard at this. Um, I'm going to get up every morning at like 4.35 a.m. That's going to be my practice time for two hours. You know, I dedicated to lessons. Um, I found this place. Uh, we have in Denver called Swallow Hill Music Academy, which is kind of a, I don't know what you call it. It's a, 
it's an old church converted and they have they have concerts they have you know coffee jams they have lessons um i got lessons there and just started playing all the time and one of the things that again going back to you know it's not the guitar gods it's all the work you put into this mm-hmm. you know, one of the things I, I kind of picked up on is like you know to really move your playing to the next level you've got to play with other people um it, which was really scary um but swallow hill had a classic rock ensemble so i joined that and uh i was horrible uh but the very first day there was someone there and she's like oh you, you got you you got the groove down you were really in sync there and that was just you know was, i was absolutely horrible but it was just because she said that it was like this is okay i can kind of do this and little by little got better um and that was you know that was six years ago now and i've been in multiple bands since and now we have a a relatively successful band that we we play all all over denver um awesome so let's uh talk about that since we're kind of uh caught up on like the background of how you got to where you are um what is uh like the current project that you're in and you know what are you guys doing so our band's called the whiskey dogs we've been around uh, almost two years now in, in various forms you know this we're now a three-piece uh which has been the last year and a half uh we play a mix of you know classic rock blues uh originals and covers um you know kind of all over all over denver um small bars, uh, some larger places. Um, and it's, it's been great. It's, uh, you know, there, there's three of us, you know, I'm the bass player. We have a, an amazing guitarist, Brian, who's, uh, you know, his background is classic rock. You know, he, he plays Stevie Ray Vaughan better than Stevie Ray Vaughan. He's, uh, mm-hmm. always inspired by him. And sometimes early, some of our early gigs, you know, we'll be playing and he just gets in like a, a space and it's like, and I, I'll lose where I'm at. I'm like, Oh wow. That's really amazing what you're playing. Oh, I forgot what I'm playing here. Um, and our drummer, uh, Lane, you know, he's been, he's, he's got such a great feel and, um, can just, can just play anything uh, and just gets right into it. Mm-hmm. And the most rewarding thing for me, especially you know, as a bass player is getting into that groove with the drummer. You know, one of the things, you know, some uh, early when I was a kid, my heroes were like Jimmy Page and Jimi Hendrix, but I find that as a musician, my place, I love being in the back with the drums and getting mm-hmm. into that groove because it's such an important part of the band. Um, you know, there's a joke, there's something like, uh, let's go, you know, a band is a bass player and a drummer and some other stuff going on. Um, <laughs> sure. I joke about that with us all the time with us. It's like, you know, as long as I'm playing well with him and we have such a good rapport together, you know, we, we keep each other where we should, you know, what point we get lost, we've helped each other, you know, just a little look or something like that. It's, it's just, uh, it's so rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you mentioned that you guys are out, uh, you know, playing shows around as well. Are you uh, doing any recording or anything? Uh, we're starting to, we have, uh, you know, we've kind of put together a studio in one of our basements um, where we record, you know, again, one of the, one of the interesting things about me about this whole thing is, you know, uh, as the, um, you know, I'm probably the least musical talented of the three of us. So I try to make it up in other ways by I've got dug in deep on how to record music and our live sound and doing right mixes. And, and I do a lot of other stuff like the website, social media, you know, I design the, the, the gig posters, which I really enjoy doing. Um, but yeah, we're, we're starting to do recordings. Um, you know, we've got, we're starting to build a, a, a little catalog of original music. Um, we do have on the roadmap that we're going to go in um, to an actual real recording studio and and lay those down. 
at some point. Uh, and again, that's that's really one of the, you know, the two things that I think are just so so much fun is that uh, and so rewarding is you know one playing live. Um, you know that's you know that's what we all live for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also you know as a band, you know coming up with and writing new music. Uh, you know Brian does does the the bulk of the writing, but you know we all we he brings a song in and we all contribute parts to it. And seeing that that whole process come together. You know, some, sometimes it's like almost instant. You know, we'll play something once. It's like, wow, this is really good. Sometimes we work on it for weeks or months and it kind of comes together in pieces. Sure. But it's yeah. so rewarding, that whole process. Yeah, it's definitely always nice when, you know, the chemistry comes together and things just work out well. Yeah, yeah. And then when you take your song and you play it out and people are just digging it, you know, in the crowd. People are moving to it. They're dancing to it. It's like that's it's that's there's no better feeling than that. For sure. Um, on that note, um, you know, what are some of your favorite memories that kind of stand out to you, uh, you know, whether it be learning or working with your musicians or playing shows or something? Yeah. Um, you know, anytime we can play out and we play out about once every two weeks at this point. Um, it's just it's always great just getting in front of people, you know, that that nervousness, at the beginning that goes away. But and just making some sort of connection with the crowd, um, even if it's just like one person. Uh, we've played some, you know, I guess the the memory ones are the ones that, you know, I, I guess on the face of it aren't that great. You know, we played a larger place uh, up north and uh, it was like a Thursday night and it's like snowed. It snowed that day and there was like literally two people there in a place that filled like, you know, 250. So it's just us. Um, but it was still, we made the best of it. We played to those two people and it was good. Um, and the other side, you know, a couple of weeks ago on St. Patrick's day, we played a, a tiny little bar, uh, which was just packed, um, just completely packed. And, you know, people were like bumping into me and people were, people were hammered, but you know, they were so into the music. There was people dancing, there was people singing, you know, that, that just, that just makes it also worthwhile when, when stuff like that happens. Awesome. Um, well, where can people uh, check out what you guys are doing and, you know, come see a show if, uh, you know, you're playing around them? Yeah, um, we can find us at whiskeydogs.com and there's there's no Ian Whiskey. We do the traditional spelling. Um, we're also on Instagram at whiskey underscore underscore dogs. You can find us there. So those, those are the two main places that we, we keep our social media. Uh, you know, we play all, all, you know, around Denver, Front Range, um, have gigs scheduled out, you know, through uh, through October at this point. Awesome. Very cool. Um, well, I always like to give the person I'm interviewing the opportunity to put out their last word. So just a message you feel you resonate with that you want to put out there. Um, you know, it's never too late, if nothing else. You know, I think, uh, you know, for me, you know, there, there's the thing, you know, when's the best time to start something like, like, you know, an instrument or something like that? Well, you know, 10 years ago, when's the second best? Like, well, then today. You know, it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. And as I was saying before, you know, when I was a kid, it was like kind of intimidating. But also at some point it's like, oh, now I'm too old to start doing this. But you're, you're never too old to do this. You know, you know, sure, you hear about someone like, you know, Paul McCartney started playing when he was 10 or something like that. But you can start whenever, you know, I, I, I didn't start really taking this seriously until my 40s. And now it's like I'm in a band. I'm doing this is like this is my my dream with these two other guys who are like the best guys. Um, so, you know, don't give up. You can do it. Um, you know, some you know, on the different social pages, you always see that question. You know, I'm you know, I'm 22. Is it too late to start guitar? No, it's not. 
you know, you can do it. Just start, just start and it'll come together uh, and just keep working on it. Um, and you can and you make it happen. You may not be, you know, you may not be in the, the jet on the tour, but, you know, for me, at least, you know, just playing music with other people is in and of itself is such a great reward. 